I picked a topic, and it's funny because I was talking to Pastor Tara. I shouldn't say it's funny. It's cool. It's God. It's whatever. Uh, we're, we're preaching the same story this morning in kids' church and in big church. And um, as much as I'd like to say I'm that organized, I'm not. And so this is just one of those God moments. So obviously he wants to speak through us through this. Uh, it was one that honestly I thought this is more of a kids' church sermon, uh, but that's okay because we're going to preach it in big church. And so uh, it's going to be fun for me. Uh, I didn't steal the picture from Chosen. I thought about stealing their background for Chosen fans on here, but that was kind of the thought process I had. But that's besides the point. Uh, I'm going to preach a series, uh, probably about three sermons uh, coming up on the presence or positioning ourselves for the presence of God. Uh, there was a, a moment this week, uh, Facebook moment. Um, I, I love Facebook and I hate Facebook at times. But one of the cool things Facebook does is it brings up memories. You ever have memories that pop up on your Facebook feed? So nine years ago, this is the memory that came up on my news feed. And now if you're not familiar with those animals, this one on, the, on, the, on your left-hand side is what they call a grouper. And the one on the right-hand side is, I believe it was a black tip shark. I'm not sure it was a shark of some kind. Uh, but nine years ago is what it told me. I was in uh, Florida with my brother-in-law, and we were able to go on a fishing trip. And it's hard to not look at that picture and remember not, remember not just the grouper and the shark, but the but the mackerel and, and the snook and the other fish that we caught. And how many times do you see a memory and maybe long to be back in that position? I have to say that some of me wanted to be out on a golf during homecoming week, not dealing with getting kids dressed every morning, and a wife now. Like just sitting in the golf fishing and, and catching a grouper. But, but what I recognized when I saw these pictures is that for me to be there, I've got to be somewhere other than western Nebraska. I'm about as far from the position of grouper as I can possibly be in western Nebraska. Now, my brother-in-law, he no longer lives in Florida. He's now a pastor in Kentucky. But you know what he was doing this week? He positioned himself to go fishing in the Gulf. So guess which one of us are going to eat grouper and snook this week? Not me, Amanda. (laughs) And as simple as this illustration is, it's profound that it's all about our position. It's all about how We position ourselves. And I can talk about fish, and I can talk about fishing, but what about the presence of God? What about the things that God is doing? I mean, how many times have you heard someone in the same place you were experiencing the same things, and they come out and say, man, that was incredible. Dude, that was awesome. God, like, showed up there. And you walked out and you said, what? Pastor wore a pink shirt. I couldn't get past that. Like we're, we're, we've got this problem uh, in the church. I mean, I think, honestly, this is, this is probably not in my notes and probably shouldn't be, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I think the American church, we've gotten so content and so stagnant that we completely miss the presence of God. We're so conditioned to his presence that we don't even acknowledge it. We don't even see it. We don't even feel it unless it's something absolutely remarkable like the, 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 the ceiling splits open and a cloud comes in and, and like um, angels appear and they sing hallelujah almost as good as my wife. 
Like, and then we just say we didn't experience the presence of God. What I know from Scripture, what I know from the reality of Scripture is that God is a God who is omnipresent. What he promised, we talked about Israel again last week. His promise to them was what? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Like, I am with you. Mary gave birth to a son, and she'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God with us. But are we experiencing his presence? Don't raise your hands. Maybe I'll ask it this way. (laughs) When was the last time you experienced the presence of God? No, I know. We weren't supposed to answer out loud. I mean, that's great. And someone else might be saying this last week or three months ago or there was this time. You know what I love about pastoring? I hear stories of 1960. I love the stories of 1960. But I want to hear the stories of October 9th, 2022. Because the God that was present in 1960 is the God who was present today. But many of us haven't positioned ourselves for his presence and we miss what he's doing. And so as a pastor, I feel compelled that over the next few weeks, I want to talk about our position when it comes to the presence of God. Like are we putting ourselves in position for his presence. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your word that is true and your word that is alive. And so this day, God, we do pray for your presence. We ask that through the word, that through the preaching of the word, that through our time together, we would experience the presence of Jesus Christ. God, we submit ourselves to you just as we sang this morning. We lay it down before you. We ask for your will to be accomplished in this place. Take every thought, take every word, make it yours. Allow your anointing to conduct this, this orchestra this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not singing or, or playing an instrument. I just, that just came out while I was praying, so um, don't worry about that. Anyway, positioning ourselves for the presence of God. We're going to start in a story. Now, most of us have heard this story. We've read this story. Um, we, we know this story. It's in Luke chapter 19. This is the story that Pastor Tara is teaching upstairs. So we probably should bring the kids down after service and see which one knows it better to see which one's a better teacher, me or Pastor Tara, but we're not going to do that because I don't want to be embarrassed. Yep, because they'd ask Jim questions and we'd be in trouble. So it says in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So in verse 4, he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, 
Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, it's interesting to me as a pastor that the, the role model for our sermon today is a man named Zacchaeus. Now, how did the scripture describe him? He was a chief tax collector. If you'd have put that in their terms, he was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Most of the people that were around him, they had no love, they had no like for this man Zacchaeus. Because what did the tax collectors do? They collected the taxes for Caesar, but they also took some for themselves. They were known for using and abusing people. That's really who they were in that culture. Yet someone who was a user and abuser, someone who took people, took advantage of people, is our example for the presence of God. Because that's where he's at, like in the beginning of the story. That's who he still is, right? He's introduced to us. He's, he's the chief tax collector. But verse 3 says something powerful. It says that he wanted to see Jesus. Positioning for the presence of God begins with a desire to truly see him. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we really want it, then we're going to do something about it. Zacchaeus doesn't just say that I want to see Jesus, but he does something about it. The psalmist, he, he's one, we talk about David and we talk about all that he is and, and his opportunity to experience the presence of God. But look at the way he describes his want or his desire to experience the presence of God. In Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, You, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And he's not talking about Crawford right now. It's worse than Crawford. And the psalmist is saying that his, his desire, his want, what he longs for, he longs for it in the only picture he can come up with in his, in his mind that describes the extent of his desire is someone who is, is thirsty in a dry and parched land. Someone who craves a drink of water for the value of life, basically. Ready? Our psalms today sound something like this. You're my God, and I want you when I've got time for you. And will you show up when they sing the songs that make me feel good? And when the pastor preaches what I want to hear? I got long for you so much that it's like a honey stick at the end of a service. I long for you so much that, 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 that my desire is um, no math homework this week. That's how bad I long for you. Can you imagine guys sitting down with your wife? Dear, I want to be with you almost as much as I want to watch the Bengals win this week. I mean, I want to be with you after about 10.30 tonight when the game's over. I mean, like when, when I've got time and I don't have things to do and Facebook to look at, and I really want to be with you. With every piece of me that's left, 
Like, what do you want? The psalmist said, I earnestly seek God. I thirst for you like, like someone in, in, in a dry and parched land. In another place, he says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I think that we're not experiencing the presence of God because we don't truly have a desire for his presence. When was the last time? Your words sounded something like this when it came to the presence of God. And I'm not just talking about what happens on Sunday morning in this place. I'm talking about in our lives. I'm talking about in our days. I'm talking about in our moments of of here and now and, and tomorrow and what's to come. When have we truly said my desire, like where I'm positioning myself, what I'm saying to myself is that I have to have the presence of God. I have to experience living water for myself today. I need to be refreshed with his love, with his goodness, with all that he has for me. What do you you want because I think we miss the presence because we don't really want because what we see in Zacchaeus is a lot of times our desire has some obstacles to fulfillment come on let's let's talk good stories Jim my wife before she was my wife had a desire to date me But there were obstacles that were in the way. Right? Come on. There we go. I didn't notice you. Now, let me be candid for a second. Before my wife was my wife, she was in my youth group. Now, I'm not saying something weird happened at that stage, but she had come out of my youth group. So I'm not looking at her as a young adult in my church now. I'm looking at her still as a young person from my youth group. So there were obstacles that stood in the way of her desire being fulfilled. We've got obstacles that stand in the way of our desires all the time. Like I want to, uh, someone, I want to, I want to own a herd of cattle. But I don't want to buy any property. So I'm going to put them all in my yard here in town. You know, when you want something, the obstacles that come, they don't stop you from getting what you want. Right? I mean, I could be a coach right now. Like, you know, we're a football team. There's obstacles that stand in the way. We're losing Nebraska at halftime. We're 13 to nothing. What are we going to do? We're going to overcome, right? We're going to, we're going to take, we're going to do something. So what were the obstacles, the limitations that, that, that Zacchaeus faced? Two things, right? There was a giant crowd. And he was short. You know what he could have said? Because there's so many people, and because I'm short, I'm never going to see Jesus. You know, too many times we let our limitations hinder us from what we truly desire. You know, Roy could say, I, I want to be a svelte buck 65, muscular, 
So Donna's chasing me, but there's obstacles in the way of him accomplishing that. And part of those obstacles are like apple pie and, and, and good food. And, and so because of that, we, we just say, I'm never going to get to where I want to be. Our, our limitations will come. I promise you, there'll be things that stand away of you in the presence of God. I promise. I, I was joking about homecoming week. This week was terrible for me. I mean, it was absolutely insane. In, in, in all in me, I knew that I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be seeking the presence of God. But I'm telling you what, come Thursday evening, I realized that my Friday was not in, in, in jeopardy too. And I didn't know when I was going to find time for the presence of God. Like Monday, uh, we, I went to Scott's Bluff on a hospital visit. Tuesday was, was Taco Tuesday this week. And, and, and Wednesday, um, I, I, something came up. And, and, and Thursday, uh, we had meetings all, I had meetings all morning. And then my kids came home from school at noon. But my, my wife's now a teacher. So typically what used to happen was when my kids came home, my wife came home, and I didn't have to be home anymore. And then she had to work on Friday too. You want to talk about scrambling. Friday morning, I didn't know what to do with myself. I mean, I've still got to get in the presence of God. I wanted to get in his presence because I knew I had to preach a sermon this morning and I wasn't really sure where it was at yet. So you know what I did because of the limitations that were before me? What were my limitations? I had kids. Now, the night before, my kids got into a fist fight, so there was no option of leaving them home alone. So I had to make preparation. Zacchaeus faced a crowd, and he faced the reality that he was too small. So what did he do? He climbed a tree, but he did something else. He ran ahead of the crowd. Like he recognized his two obstacles were the amount of people and, and, and the height that he had. So he, he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed the tree. So Pastor Steve, let's go back to my house on Friday morning. It was cold Friday morning in our house. We don't turn the furnace on until we have to because my wife's cheap. Um, and so it's probably about 59 in the house because there's like 38 outside. And my kids don't like to get dressed when they get up. You know what I'm saying? Like, so they're freezing cold. I recognized I need space. So you know what I did? I went downstairs to the wood burner. I got to clarify that because I said I started a fire on Friday. And some people thought I cut like the house on fire. I went downstairs and I started a fire in the burner for one reason and one reason only. And that reason was my kids would, would be like, like bugs to a light and they would be attracted to the heat of the wood burner, and they would go downstairs in the basement and give me an opportunity for some quiet time with the Lord. You see, sometimes there's limitations that stand in the way of our desires, but we have to make preparations to overcome the limitations. Too often the limitations become our excuse for why we don't. They should be the opportunity for why we can if you want something enough, you'll overcome the obstacles that stand in your way. If you're thirsting for water in a dry and parched land, you're going to make a way to get a drink. 
You're going to look wherever you can. I don't know what water out of a cactus tastes like, but apparently people drink water out of cactus. You're probably going to get pokes in your lips. But you're not worried about that. You ever watch those shows like Alone or survival shows where people are out on their own in the wilderness? There was one, the first season of Alone. This is my Discovery Channel addiction that I like sometimes. Do you know how the guy survived? He was from Omaha. And he survived in the wilderness by himself for weeks. You know what he did to survive? He ate mice. That's all he could catch. But see, he had a desire. His desire was to win some money. And he had some limitation. There was nothing other than mice. So what he did was he just went ahead and ate the mice. Dude's willing to eat mice to win a TV show. Here it comes. What are you willing to do for the presence of God? Like, really, which one's more valuable? I know I'm not enough. I know that I need his presence. I know that I can't stand up on a Sunday morning and preach a sermon without the presence of God in my life. I know that I can't be the best dad. I was thinking about it. It's the peas in my life. I'm now a pupil. I'm now a parent. I'm now a pastor. And I'm a presbyter. All these peas stand in the way of all that I need to, to, to get in the presence of God. We are so limited. People tell me I don't even know what it's like. Like junior high volleyball was terrible. Kylie and Avery, I mean the time. I'm not used to this stuff. All of a sudden my schedule is getting a lot busier. The limitations are getting a lot greater, but if I don't position myself for the presence of God, the limitations will overtake me and determine my encounter with the, with the one who is, who was, and always will be. The one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The one who is described as God with us. I have to do something about the limitations in my life. I probably should look at my scripture. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor junior high volleyball nor the future nor any P, that's the pupil, that's the pastor, that's the neither power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate you from the presence of God except for yourself. I can choose to put myself out of position for his presence. It's called sin. We separate ourselves. Sin is that which separates us from God. Anytime I'm choosing sin over Savior, I'm separating myself from being in position to experience his presence. He says there's nothing in this world that can separate you from my presence. He says there's nothing that can keep me from the presence of God. Nothing can separate me except my will. My wants. My position is truly what separates me from the presence of God. If you're not experiencing his presence, it's not because God's not showing up. It's not because God's not here. It's not because he's different than he was. It's because of my position. It's because of me. It's not because Tam sang and Walt didn't. It's not because Walt sang and Tam didn't. It's not because Pastor had a really good sermon or Pastor had a really bad sermon. It's not because a specific song came on the radio or there was a sunset or whatever else. Sometimes it's just me. I'm the limitation. Yes, life, 
my life about to get crazy. I got one that's in junior high sports. Soon it's going to be four. Levi's talking about wrestling. Avery's talking about basketball. Eventually, Graham's going to do football. Elliot will do whatever he wants to do. And that's going to be life. And we're going to be running around practicing football and whatever else. I'm still going to serve as a pastor. I'm still trying to be an effective husband. I'm still trying to be an effective presbyter. There's going to be things. But it's me. It's me. There's going to be overtime. There's going to be cows. There's going to be cats. There's going to be situations. There's going to be storms. There's going to be droughts. There's going to be weather. But the midst of it all, in the midst of all the distractions, we met a man in the beginning of this chapter. His name was Zacchaeus. And there was a crowd that was assembled. And he said, I want to see Jesus. That was his expressed desire. But he recognized the limitations that were before him. So he made preparations to overcome them. Now, how novel is that? There's something standing in the way of what I want. So I've got to figure out how to overcome what's standing in the way. Some of us need to look at the mirror and figure out what's standing in the way of us experiencing the presence of God. Maybe it's that we just don't want it. There's something standing in the way, so we must make preparations. Here's a story about the presence. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. What were they? They were prepared. They recognized the lamps were going to run out of oil at some point. But they wanted the experience. What did they want? To go with the bridegroom. Sometimes the bridegroom's long in coming, so they were prepared. They saw the limitations. It was their oil. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come out to feed him. Positioning for the presence of God. There were five who were wise and five who were foolish. They all woke up. They trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Uh, Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. So get out of position. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. There were some that were in position for the presence of God. There were five who weren't. Five experienced the presence, and five missed out, all because of their preparation, not overcoming their limitations. We have an expressed desire that that sometimes will will have limitations, so we must make preparations because then what happened? What happens in the story? When Jesus reached the spot, I love this. Because of Zacchaeus' preparation and because Zacchaeus... I'm guessing the crowd came, right? I mean, I'm assuming this. Like the crowd's following Jesus. They all want to see him. I'm guessing they're there with him. 
But, but what happens is when Jesus reaches this spot where the tree is, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus was recognized by Christ because of his position. Because of the place in which he put himself, Jesus saw him. There was a crowd. There was a bunch of people there. That crowd's still uh, in, in this moment. But Jesus looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus' desires are fulfilled. What he wants is accomplished. And not only accomplished, because what did he want? What was his desire? He never in a million years dreamed that Jesus was going to say the name Zacchaeus. He never in a million years dreamed that Jesus wouldn't just say his name like, Hey, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. Nice spot. What does Jesus say? I. Hey, you got time tonight? I want to come over and have a burger. What's he say? I must. I love that. I must stay at your house. What? I mean, I, I just wanted to see Jesus. In this moment, that's all I was worried about was, was just seeing him. In this moment, all I wanted to accomplish was just to be able to catch a glimpse of him and see who this dude was that everyone was talking about. And there were some things that stood in the way, so I positioned myself so I could see him. But when I saw him, he spoke to me. He didn't just speak to me, but he said, he must come stay with me. Like, this day's going to be pretty cool. I mean, the crowd begins to mutter, it says. All those people who, who saw this, because remember, who was Zacchaeus? He was a jerk who took their money. But he positioned himself for the presence of Jesus. Jesus saw him and said, I must stay with you. And because of that, Zacchaeus was transformed. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back Four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was transformed because he let nothing stand in the way of positioning himself for the presence of Jesus Christ. I don't think in the beginning of the chapter he ever expected that's what this day was going to look like. You see, that's what happens when we experience the presence of God. Remember Moses, the story of Moses on the mountain? He's talking to God. God's in a cloud. And, and God says, you can ask me for anything. And so what does he ask him? Like, show me your glory. And God says to him, like, you can't handle that much. So what I'll let you do is just see the, the, the hem of my garment as it passes by. Moses had no clue what was going to happen. Moses said, he said, so what do you have to do? He had to position himself. Where was he to position himself? We're going back to the cleft of rocks. There's honey in the rock. So he positions himself in a cleft in the rock. God passes by. He says, hey, you can look now. And Moses turns and sees just the hem 
of his garment, just the train of his garment. And it says that his body, he's like literally got a physical transformation that happens to him. His face is radiant when he comes down off the mountain. Like people come down and they're like, dude, what's going on with you? Your face is glowing. Like literally it was so bad, he had to cover it up. It was so bright, he had to come. Like, when we get in the presence of God, God does something that's beyond our expectation. It's something that is, is beyond even what we can dream of. The presence of God brings radical transformation. The presence of God brings things that we can't comprehend or hope for. Moses didn't know he was going to become a light bulb. Zacchaeus didn't know he was going to be transformed. The results, fellowship, I must stay at your house today, transformation, salvation, all because Zacchaeus positioned himself to see Jesus. You can figure out what you're saying. The good. This morning I, I want to end with three questions. What's your desire? Like, what do you want? Zacchaeus knew all he wanted was to see Jesus. What is it that you want? What are you longing for when it comes to him? What is it that you need to taste and see? You know, he says, taste and see that I'm good. What, what do you desire? What is it that you truly long for? What is it that you say that I cannot live without this? And then the question, what's the limitation? What's standing in the way of you getting what you want? What's keeping you from the presence of God? What's keeping you from seeing His glory? What's keeping you from experiencing what He wants? Is it stuff? Is it, is it situations? Is it sickness? Is it sin? Is it things? Is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it pride? What's standing in the way from you experiencing the presence of God? Maybe it's the crowd. Like you're just waiting for the crowd to like scream and shout so you can be a part of it too. Like God's going to do something cool when everybody else gets excited and I'll just get excited with the crowd. What do you want? What's stopping it? And where's your fig tree? Like, where's the place that you need to position yourself? Where's the position that God needs you in to experience His presence? This morning, I want no one to leave without experiencing the presence of God. Which I want no one to go through tomorrow without experiencing the presence of God. Or Thursday without experiencing the presence of God. What, what is it in you? What is it about you that you need to, to reorganize? How is it that you may need to separate yourself from the crowd? Where is it that you may need to elevate yourself among the circumstance so that you can be in a position to see Jesus Christ? They came. The crowd gathered because Jesus was there. 
I'm telling you, Jesus is here. Jesus will not leave you or forsake you. Jesus is the God who is with you. Are you positioning yourself for his presence? And I'll tell you this. That position is going to start in the mirror. It's going to start when you're honest with yourself. We can make excuses. We can say things. We can do whatever. But you know what? I bet Zacchaeus was teased about being a short dude his whole life. Right? There's there's a short Z. I mean, he knew his limitation. No one had to tell him he was short. No one had to tell him he couldn't see over the crowd. He had to look at himself and say, hey, guess what? I'm short. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my circumstance and I'm going to make myself tall. You don't have to tell you about sin. I don't have to tell you what sin is. I don't have to tell you how we, we, we separate ourselves from the promise of God. You know what your shortcomings are. You know what's hindering you from the presence of God. So you have to find a sycamore fig tree. There's a cross of Jesus Christ in which brings forgiveness for you in your shortcomings that elevates you above what's separating you from His presence. You've got to find a tree. Father, this morning in this place, I ask that we experience your presence. God, we got a lot of desires. We got a lot of wants. Psalmist. Zacchaeus. Just want to see Jesus. I want to. I desire it. I long for it. But there's things, there's stuff. So help me to prepare. Holy Spirit, you're the advocate and counselor God has given us. I ask Holy Spirit that you speak to our hearts this morning when it comes to the shortcomings. When it comes to the limitations, speak to us. Reveal to us. Help us to see what we can do. Tell us to light a fire if that's what's necessary. To make preparations for your presence. Because God, you've got great plans. And there's someone this morning you're saying, I must, I must, I must stay with you today. Someone that maybe hasn't let you in their home. Someone that maybe hasn't fully recognized where they've been. Someone that maybe is still wandering and being defined by their limitations. And God, you're speaking to them this day, their name, and saying, I must stay with you today. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear. I pray that our spirits would burn within us to tell us what you're speaking to us this morning, that we can experience your presence. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have Tam sing a song. and I'm going to encourage you to take this time to seek his presence, to take this time to, 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 to reach out, to call out, to cry out, 
to expect, to anticipate. Maybe there's stuff, maybe there's things, maybe it's a time where you need someone to pray with you. I'll be as a pastor ready to pray with you. Maybe it's a friend you need to pray with you. Maybe it's something you need to reorganize. Maybe you need to get your little phone out and put a time in there for every day where you can spend time with Jesus. But whatever God speaks to you, as we're spending this time together, I encourage you to get ahead of the crowd, to reposition yourself to experience his presence. I want to experience what God has. You know, I I just want to see his presence. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be too busy. I don't want to have too much going on. I don't want to be too separate. That's what he's doing. So the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you experience the presence of God. May you position yourself for his presence. You know, that was a crowd. There's a crowd here this morning. But only one in the crowd positioned himself for the presence. I hope there's more than one. Amen? Be blessed.